It is a Tuesday. Welcome in. How's everybody doing? Uh, we want to thank our friend Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour here, Steelman and Thune. And uh, welcome aboard the Air Comfort Solutions text line, always available to you, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. So the Sooners, uh, according to Joe Lenardi, they are part of the first four out group with SMU, BYU, and Dayton today. And we figured after the loss to Iowa State, the blowout loss in Ames over the weekend, that Oklahoma would be uh, would probably be out in the Lenardi bracketology. And uh, they need – they need a minor miracle, Parker. They go to Tech tonight. They play 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Of course, the Sooners beat the Red Raiders by 15, really, for their best win of the year. That was the night that Mo Gibson went off with 30, made 8 of 11 from three-point range. You're going to need something special like that again tonight, Parker, for Oklahoma to uh, somehow go to Lubbock and pull out a win, which I think is very unlikely. Well, it's going to be tough, no question about it. And the thing about it is – I. I and I feel like I've rehashed this over the last couple of weeks. I don't know that I would classify it as a minor miracle that Oklahoma needs unless you want to categorize going and winning at Bramlage Coliseum for the first time since 2012 a minor miracle. But look, to me, the fact that Oklahoma is barely on the wrong side of the bubble today, first four out, speaks to how close this team is to being in the field of 68 if they win their final three games. They can lose tonight. Sit at 14 and 14 on the year, be a 500 team, and as long as they close with three straight victories, I think they're in the tournament. And I think a win in the Big 12 tournament solidifies that. 7 and 11 is what you're looking at because, again, it's very unlikely that the Sooners go to Lubbock tonight and get that win against uh, that Mark Adams ball club that's playing really well right now, the number nine in the country. They just uh, went to Austin and beat Texas again. So they're playing excellent basketball. And again, the Sooners played their best game of the year, I think, in their win over Tech when they won by 15 uh, not long ago. Here's the deal, and I agree with what you're saying. I think you need to win. You've got to win. I mean, if you don't win your last three games of the season, somehow let's say you pulled a miracle in Lubbock tonight uh, and you went out, then I think you're no question you are 100% in. But, uh, again, we know that the Sooners have to play out of their minds to get this W tonight. Okay, so if you beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia at home and then you go to Bramlage and win, you do get three wins, you get to 7-11, but how many of those would be considered a quality victory? Well, uh, I don't know exactly how it all shakes out in terms of quad one versus quad two. I don't know the metrics on that, but I do know Kansas State uh, is on the verge of being a tournament team as well. And so that's at the very least. And Oklahoma State, I guess technically they're 13 and 14, so they're on the wrong side of 500 after the overtime loss last night to Baylor. West Virginia is kind of in middling territory as well. But I think realistically those should all be quad one wins by definition, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, Now if they go to Lubbock tonight and win, as improbable as that may be against a Red Raiders team that has been really good all season and very consistent with the exception of the game that they lost by 15 to the Sooners at the Lloyd Noble Center, then that gives you a little bit of breathing room. Then I don't think you have to win at Bramlage on the final uh, final day of the regular season if you're the Sooners. That gives you the ability to play a little bit more relaxed and not feel like you have to win out in order to win the tournament. It's also... A phenomenal quality win and a season sweep right, over yeah. a top 15 opponent. So yeah. that, that would be huge for Oklahoma's resume. As long as the wheels don't fall off down the stretch, 
They could put themselves in a really, really solid position to secure a tournament berth with a win tonight. But even if they don't win tonight, I think they're still in good shape the rest of the way if they take care of business against Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Kansas State. If you win three of four and one of those wins is Texas Tech, then I think you're definitely in. If you win uh, the last three, I think you've got a, a, a good shot of getting in because of the strength of the conference. It's not a guarantee, but I think, again, let's say you win in Lubbock and you beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia and you lose at Bramlage, but you've beaten Tech twice uh, based on who the Sooners have beaten this year and the strength of the league, I think they would probably get in. Uh, I would feel pretty good about it uh, if that happened. Now, keep in mind, Oklahoma, Elijah Harkless out for the year. Porter Moser, in his meeting with the media yesterday, talked about just how strange that whole deal was. Really, the Elijah Harkless injury kind of came out of nowhere. Did something happen immediately? Did we know it? I mean, not at all. He didn't even know it. He didn't say anything until the – like, he said something after the game that he felt some discomfort to Rob, but, like, he didn't say anything to anybody during the course of the game. We had no – it wasn't like you saw him go down and hold his knee. Like, you, you, we didn't know anything. Um, it wasn't until the next day I was told, yep, EJ came in, we're just going to give him an X-ray. Then those were told – those were negative. And then the next day we said, oh, we're going to do a, just a precautionary MRI. And then they did it, and that's when – so it wasn't any one thing. Um, the second part of your question was the second part of the question was what does that mean for Oklahoma at Tech tonight it means again uh, without one of your better defensive players and the fact that you know uh, Porter Moser has talked about one of the things they miss the most is the ability to switch and switch and feel comfortable about that because Elijah Harkless is so good at doing that defensively, and now they don't have that luxury that they've had, uh, you know, all year, and uh, that's that's problematic, obviously, for the Sooners going into this matchup tonight. Now they love to have uh, Mo Harkless tonight. Uh, Porter Moser, you know, uh, it was interesting that Harkless said he wants to come back next year. Sooner fans have to feel good about that but Porter Moser yeah he loves hearing that but right now he's locked in on the rest of the year I'm so wrapped up right now um I told somebody before I said we got we got you know sometimes you got to go through his rain to get to the rainbow we got we got we got we got some ball left to play we're, we're not counted out right now and uh we we got some games left we got four regular season games the big 12 tournament um so I, I don't want anybody to think to count us out because we're not counting ourselves out and that's all my focus is on is this year. There you go. So uh, they're fighting, scratching, and clawing. And, again, I think they played hard. Uh, they have been overmatched talent-wise in a lot of these games. But, again, the one thing you can't fault for this Sooner team, and I'm not trying to say that Oklahoma doesn't have any basketball players. They've got some decent players, good players on this roster. They just don't have a great go-to guy or another guy. You know, if one guy, if the leading guy is off a little bit, the other guy is going to step up. They need somebody to have a spectacular game. What happened, Parker, in the last Tech game? Bo Gibson went absolutely went Steph Curry on uh, on the Red Raiders. In that matchup, uh, 8 of 11 from three-point range. So we'll see what happens in this matchup tonight. Uh, we've got Bedlam coming up on Saturday, 11 a.m. By the way, that's a CBS game. Tonight, uh, you'll have to go to ESPN+, Plus, 7 o'clock tip for the Sooners and the Red Raiders. As Parker mentioned, uh, Baylor, the number 10 team in the country, uh, beat Oklahoma State in overtime last night at Gallagher-Iba. Adam Flagler with 29. And Musa Cisse had a heck of a game for Oklahoma State, except at the free throw line, 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 blocks. Oklahoma State was up 7 at the half. Uh, built on that little uh, lead a little bit in the second half, but Baylor stormed back and won the game. 66-64 was the final. So, 
Air Comfort Solutions text line is not optimistic about this team, Mike. One okay. listener says, you guys are complete idiots if you think OU is going to go 3-1 and one in these last four games. Another listener says, I like your football info, but does iHeart allow crack smoking in the studio? <laughs> Sooners are not going to the tournament. Without Harkless, they're done. I would uh, never smoked any crack, never have any interest in that. Uh, promise you that. Uh, will I plead to being an idiot some of the time? Absolutely, I will. Look, if you ask me if I think Oklahoma's going to make the tournament, I'm going to sit here and tell you no, I don't. I absolutely I don't. And I think even uh, when we got that news when Harkless uh, was ruled out for the rest of the season, I think a lot of Sooner fans, even the most optimistic ones, thought, well, yeah, that's probably, bum, bum, bum. you know, that's the last straw for Oklahoma. All we're talking about is the path to get there. We're not saying we think they're going to get this done. I would say uh, the Sooners would probably lose tonight. I, I would say 2-2, two and two, actually. And, uh, you know, there's no guarantee they win both those home games. Now, Oklahoma State beat them once earlier. Uh, West Virginia is not having a great year, but you can't automatically assume what's, what have the Sooners lost, five home games this year, something like that. So, yeah, we're just trying to carve out a path how you get there. If you're going to get there, that's what we're talking about. Also, let me just put this out there as well. The winner of the Big 12 tournament gets the automatic bid, and the Big 12 tournament is going to be anybody's game. I mean, you saw Georgetown win their conference tournament last year with a losing record and end up going to the tournament. So it is not out of question, especially in a competitive league like the Big 12, for a team like Oklahoma to make a run and earn the automatic bid. Am I projecting that that will happen? No, absolutely not. Would I sit here and say I'm confident Oklahoma is going to make the tournament? Also, no, absolutely not. But the path to get there to me in my mind is very, very simple. You win your final three games, you win one game in the Big 12 tournament. If you do that, I think you're in the field. To me, the Razor's edge is loss number 16. The second that number goes from 15 to 16 in the loss column, I think that is where your hopes and dreams of playing in March Madness end. Yeah, and I, I don't think the Sooners could win the Big 12 tournament because they're not deep enough, particularly without Harkless. Could they go on a run and maybe get, uh, you know, could they win a couple games in, in Kansas City? Yes, but I, I still think that would be extremely unlikely. So, again, we are talking about scenarios where the Sooners can win their way into the tournament, and all of those are uh, very difficult at this point. There's no doubt about it. How about Brady Manick last night? North Carolina, now one of the last four buys, according to Joe Lenardi. Uh, Brady had 17 points uh, last night. Carolina beat Louisville at home at the Dean Dome 70-63. Brady this year averaging 14 points and six boards for the Tar Heels, shooting 38% from three. So uh, you have the Sooners in tech tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. You also have another game in the Big 12, Kansas State at Kansas tonight on regular ESPN. Jayhawks up to number five in the country and uh, hosting the Wildcats tonight. All right, we have Brandon Rabar to talk a little uh, Thunder basketball. He'll tell us what he thinks uh, LeBron was trying to say when he praised Josh Giddy and uh, Sam Presti, talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll get into that coming up at 1235. OKC next in action against Phoenix uh, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. The Suns got the bad news on Chris Paul out six to eight weeks with that thumb injury, but Phoenix still best record in the league. They'll be in Oklahoma City 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. A tainted season, perhaps, for the Sooner basketball team, but they're still alive, at least for the time being. They're on life support, but they're still here. 
I don't know. I love this song. Little soft sell. All right. When we get back, Jaden Hazelwood. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We'll get into that when we get back. Uh, what a great movie. What a great song. Still my favorite uh, John Hughes movie. You've seen that movie, right? Breakfast Club? I haven't. Really? Oh, I think you'd like it, Parker. I know you reach back and you go a ways back with your uh, musical repertoire. But I think you would enjoy uh, The Breakfast Club. If you've been to high school, and I know you have, then you can relate. I'm just saying. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you with us here on this Tuesday edition. I am the Man of Steel, one of America's most highly decorated and awarded regional radio stars, as far as you know, along with the five-star recruit just out of the Oklahoma Journalism School, the one, the only, Parker Thune. It is Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. So uh, what in the wide, wide world of sports is Jaden Hazelwood talking about when he took to social media and said uh, basically that never understood how the OU fans call me soft when I literally joined the hardest conference in football, double laugh emoji, and the toughest side, to be honest, in the SEC. Sorry, not sorry. What? I, I mean, I looked at that and I'm like, were there any OU fans out there who, I mean, I, there probably were a couple because everybody's still, you know what, hurt about, you know, Mule Shoe moving on and everything and people leaving. And look, Jaden Hazelwood was the number one high school wide receiver uh, recruit in the country when it came to Oklahoma. And did he live up to his five-star status? No. But it certainly wasn't his fault. He had a lot of injury issues, and I think there were other issues involved. I think he's a good player, and I wish him well. But I didn't see many Sooner fans hating on him when he left. No, and I'm pretty sure I said it at the time, Mike. It was one of those things where you definitely understood it. Because the reality was, with his situation, he just needed a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. It was nothing wrong with him, nothing wrong with with the University of Oklahoma or the relationship there. It's just, at a certain point, it behooves a guy to look for a different fit. And that's the situation that Jaden Hazelwood found himself in. And... To me, I look, I understand everybody has haters on Twitter, right? I have haters on Twitter. Mike, you have called, haters on we, Twitter. We just got called uh, idiots, and then we were smoking crack in the first segment. Exactly. It happened. So I think, sure, were there probably six or seven people on Twitter dissing Jaden Hazelwood and saying, you're a traitor yeah, for well, leaving you. Go. you Riley fourth, ran off, and so did you. you know, fourth that kind of thing. generation sooner, and you don't even want to finish your career here. But the vast majority of people at the time that Hazelwood transferred, Mike, they were all pissed at Mule Shoe. Yeah, absolutely. He hit the transfer portal the day after. Well, no, it was a couple days after. But he hit the transfer portal pretty immediately after the Bedlam game. And at that point, all anyone wanted to do, Mike, was complain about the way that Mule Shoe left. Yeah, and throw absolutely. And Mule Shoe. That was the only thing we talked about on the show for an entire week thereafter. All right, so, and the people, obviously, Muleshoe got uh, the brunt, as he should, because of the way he left and lied about it, uh, you know, got the brunt of the hate. Clark Stroud got a bunch. Uh, Dennis Simmons got some. Roy Manning got a lot because of the double recruiting accusations. 
in terms of players, Caleb Williams probably got the most, and he was a beloved Sooner while he was here, and I still think most people understand that. Uh, you know, that he was probably going to reunite with uh, Muleshoe out in L.A. But, you know, some people were still upset with that decision. But in terms of players leaving, I don't think any – and Caleb got some because he's Caleb Williams. He's got such a high ceiling and so much uh, potential to be a great college quarterback. But other than that, uh, like I said, for Jaden Hazelwood, I didn't see anything. Nothing. No. So, I don't know. Why Why would he tweet something like that? Is that just for attention or – I don't know. Like, you know, there are a lot of people who just put BS out there because they, even if it's maybe, you know, what? facetious or maybe it's just not factual because they want that attention. One of my good friends texted me earlier today and linked the tweet where Jaden Hazelwood was uh, – Saying, you know, all you fans called me soft when I literally joined the hardest conference in football. And my buddy said, this guy attended the Bryce Young School of creating imaginary chips on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, It is unusual. All right, so I got an interesting uh, question on Twitter last night from OUT Rex. I wonder if he works, uh, you know, like... uh, you know, looking for fossils and stuff. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Paleontologist. Who knows? But he asked, Steely, are you guys certain that Jerry Schmidt is going to be able to get these guys in shape like he was accustomed to doing when he was at Oklahoma earlier? And what he's talking about is time with the players. He's talking about, you know, we, we live in, you know, I, we have a softer society. Now, again, a lot some of that is good because we actually care about people and groups and we don't, uh, you know, discriminate as much as we used to. Well, there's still way too much of that, but there are a lot of things that are better about society. But in terms of uh, are we softer overall? Yeah, yeah, in some ways we are. So, I don't know. Can Jerry Schmidt of 2000 be uh, the same Jerry Schmidt in 2022? Uh, All I know is he's going to work them absolutely as hard as he can within the rules and pushing those guys to be their very best. Roy Williams on the uh, podcast on the Prairie told Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall recently that uh, these guys are going to find out that Schmidt's workouts will pay off in the long run. My guys in the locker room, my teammates, became young men – to men in those winter workouts, um, um, summer workouts, all that. Like, I mean, Schmidt is going to get you guys, right? Like, there's a me- I'll say this. There's a method to his madness, okay? I don't know how extreme he's going to be with you guys compared to when I was there. Right. But, you know, we used to think, like, dude, why Schmidt is killing us? But I promise you, come game time, dude, we would finish a game blowing somebody out or have a – a close game and I literally felt like I can go another game. Mm-hmm. Like I would go in for after the end of the game and I was like, dude, I'm ready to go again. Like that's just how we felt. And injuries are gonna go way down because we're gonna be so well conditioned. I mean, like y'all gonna be right. Like I, I kid y'all not, y'all gonna be right. There you go. What do you think about that question, Parker, about uh, you know, the uh, earlier Schmitty uh, workouts and the latter-day Schmitty workouts, how they'll compare and what that means for OU. Well, let's just hope Schmitty hasn't gotten soft in his old age. Right, which... uh, Jerry Schmidt, <laughs> there's no soft with Jerry it Schmitt. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like it. From everything we've heard thus far and uh, just what we've been told in the public eye from coaches, you know, the fact that 
two weeks into the uh, into the spring semester, Jeff Lebby got in the Zoom and said, "Yeah, Caden Helms, he's already gained seven pounds under Schmitty." It's those types of case studies that make you uh, really imagine. It, it it just gets your mental gears churning as to what kind of impact Jerry Schmidt and how immediate of an impact he's actually going to have on this football team because. There's a reason why he garners so much buzz, right? There's a reason why we're talking about the strength coach on the air, Mike. A year ago at this time, I promise you we wouldn't have been talking about Benny Wiley. But the reality is when you get a true game changer, the likes of Jerry Schmidt, it's those types of advantages that begin to sow seeds where whereby your football program can reap rewards later down the line. And so... I think there's a lot to be excited about, and I think particularly when you hear from an authoritative source like a Roy Williams saying, hey, this is legitimately something that all of you should take seriously and believe is going to help you, then that leads me to believe that Oklahoma football is going to be much more physically competitive in the year 2022 than they were in 2021. They're going to be able to hold up better at the point of attack. They're going to be more durable, like you heard Roy Williams saying injuries aren't going to be as much of an issue. It's those types of things where that can be the razor's edge between 11 wins and a bowl victory and 13, 14 wins in a college football playoff appearance. And the video that was uh, tweeted out by OU recently where Brent's talking about not good enough, you know, everybody in the country is working hard right now. You've got to go extra. And Brent, man, you've seen him on the sidelines at OU. You saw him on the sidelines with Dabo at Clemson. You've seen uh, some of the videos since it's been tweeted out uh, recently where he's addressing the team. This dude is – he came back full of the spirit, but he didn't come back, uh, you know – with any extra softness. I don't think Brent Venables is soft either, and he's going to push these guys. It's like anything else. If you go through something so difficult where you're like, man, I can't believe we survived that, uh, you never feel like there's a situation that you can't handle. In any job situation, too, like in radio, man, I've been through every disaster I could possibly be through in radio. So there's nothing that I haven't uh, come across that I didn't, I haven't had to deal with at some point. And part of that's being in radio and in uh, media for so long. But, you know, it, it, I've, I've handled just about every disaster. I've handled some better than others. But when it comes along the next time, you're prepared for it and you're ready to go. So hopefully uh, that'll be the situation with Jerry Schmidt working these guys out at OU. I think Sooner fans are very excited to have him back because – they feel like they're going to be a much tougher, much more physical football team than they have been recently. And that's been missing to a certain extent with the team as a whole. Certain players have been tougher than others. That's going to happen on any team. But I think the entire roster uh, will be better off having Jerry Schmidt back. All right, we're going to break right here. Thank you to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They have done work for us at Chase Stadium, and they've done it very professionally and at a great price. They can help you with heating and air conditioning, any anything you need worked on. They'll do it and do it right. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. When we get back, Brandon Rabar talking thunder. What was LeBron talking about praising Josh Giddy, Sam Presti, and OKC? Does that mean anything at all? We'll get that answer and more. When we get back here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, on your Tuesday. 
Okay, everybody, how's your Tuesday going? Thank you for being with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network for your Tuesday. How about a little OU baseball on Sports Talk 1400? Uh, they moved the uh, start time up to 2.30. The Sooners and the Wichita State Shockers playing at Eldale Mitchell today. That'll be available to you again, uh, Sports Talk 1400. Hundred. All right, Brandon Robard joins us, our friend, our uh, our Thunder reporter from DailyThunder.com. And, Brandon, uh, I want to play this clip from LeBron James and uh, ask you about it. This was LeBron in Cleveland over the weekend at All-Star Weekend. He was asked to comment on uh, what he thinks about Josh Giddey's game, and he, he talked about the Australian rookie for Oklahoma City, and then he also uh, got into praising Sam Presti. He's, uh, he's really, really, really good. Um, he has a, a great pace about the game, um, great vision. Um, I've always loved uh, pass-first guards um, who can see plays happen before they happen. And, um, you know, Josh is one of those kids who can definitely see the game um, a lot quicker than a lot of guys out on the floor. And he's shown, I think he got like three straight triple-doubles. Um, you know, he's just been playing uh, beautiful basketball. Um, but... The MVP over there, Sam Preston. He the MVP. I mean, Josh Giddy is great. Sam Preston, I don't understand. This guy's eye for talent. He drafted KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Sergi Bakker, Reggie Jackson, um, Josh Giddy, and the list goes on and on and on. This guy's pretty damn good. All right, so Brandon, uh, you know, some people take that as, man, LeBron wants to come to Oklahoma City and play with Bronny to uh, to end his career, and he's giving a shout-out to Sam Presti. Uh, so what do you think of that? Maybe he's just praising those guys because he was asked a question, or maybe – Maybe he's sending a message to Jeannie Buss that, you know what, maybe maybe we should uh, look at replacing uh, Rob Palenka as the GM here. What do you think LeBron was trying to say there, if anything, in that clip? Yeah, first off, I think what LeBron was saying was just facts. I mean, I, I think that everything he said was true. And I think that, you know, we here in Oklahoma City, whether you're media, whether you're fans, uh, you can appreciate how great Josh Giddey's been does as his GM. Now, that said, a lot of people, you know, are kind of reading between the lines here, and it does seem like maybe it's a purposeful thing, that it's not a coincidence that right after a trade deadline in which LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook need some help, uh, you know, they need some guys who can defend around them, they need some guys who can shoot around them. The Lakers didn't make any moves whatsoever. So is it a, a little jab at Rob Polinka? Maybe. It, it definitely could be a subtle little jab at Rob Polinka. Uh, you know, maybe it puts a little pressure on the Lakers this offseason to make some moves. Uh, as far as Bronny goes, you know, he's going to go straight up wherever LeBron James Jr. gets drafted, wherever Bronny goes. And, and he comes out, I'm just going to say it, Mike, in 2024, that draft class, and the Thunder just so happened to have four first-round picks and three second-round picks that draft. So, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. All right, Brandon, i got to ask you. I saw the question circulating on social media yesterday, so I'll throw it at you. Who is on your Thunder Mount Rushmore? If you had to pick four figures over the brief history of OKC Thunder basketball, 
Who are you putting on the Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I think this is a, a really good question. And for me, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, obviously, Russell Brett, Westbrook, no questions asked. Number one slot, easy. Uh, I actually, speaking of Sam Presti, you know, it's to me, it's not just players. You know, it's kind of like if I were going to do a Dallas Cowboys one, I'd put Tom Landry on there. You know, he wasn't a player. Uh, I got to put Sam Presti on there. He's the Thunder's greatest asset. He has been since the very beginning. So Westbrook, Presti, and then people aren't going to want to hear it, but you got to put Kevin Durant. I mean, the Thunder's first era of basketball, all that success uh, was due to KD and Russell Westbrook. You know, hopefully time heals all wounds and eventually things get, you know, better between KD and the Thunder and the fans. But those three, and then you got to put in Mr. Thunder, Nick Collison, uh, his loyalty and sticking around and what he means to the community. So Westbrook, KD, Presty, and Collison. And and maybe down the line, Collison gets replaced by the next era's you know best player. Yeah, yeah, clearly Poku down the road, no doubt. Uh, it'll right, be, it'll be Poku. <laughs> no, SGA or Josh Giddy or somebody. I I think that's a good uh, Mount Rushmore there. And there, look, there is no doubt. You one hundred thousand percent have to put Kevin Durant on the Mount Rushmore for Oklahoma City. I mean, you you just can't leave him off. All right, uh, what do you think all about all the buzz about you know some people trying to say that Russ shouldn't have been one of the top seventy five players. In in NBA history. We've got the 75th anniversary, obviously, of the NBA, and that was uh, talked about quite a bit. They released the list, of course, uh, in uh, uh, right there with All-Star Weekend, and there's some people, Russ, come on, he can't be top 75. I mean, th- you're talking about people are thinking about Russ right now, not what Russ has been, and he clearly deserves to be on that list, too. Yeah, I've seen it. It's just absolute hogwash i mean russ is a cinch indisputable i mean look he's got one mvp he made it to the finals four western conference finals 11 playoff series nine all-stars nine all nbas two scoring titles three assist titles four seasons averaging a triple double he's the all-time triple double leader most triple doubles in a season I mean, this is without question a top 75 player uh, it's you're exactly right. It's recency bias. It's knee-jerk reactions. They see some clips on on YouTube or on Twitter of him, you know, airballing shots or badly missing bank shots and, and putting, you know, all the blame for the Lakers season on him. He's 33 years old, first of all. And second of all, there's plenty of Lakers blame to go around. It's not all on Russ. If you look at his numbers this year, they're actually just fine, line up fairly well with his career averages. So he's just kind of been the scapegoat. He's absolutely, easily a top 75 player of all time. No question. Brandon, I uh, want to ask you this. Obviously, All-Star Weekend has come and passed. What do you think the NBA needs to do to make All-Star Weekend big again, the way that it was 15, 20 years ago? Because I know for people like me, and I'm not a diehard basketball fan, I'm more of a casual, but you know, for people like me, the All-Star Weekend used to be an event. It used to be much watch, must-watch TV all weekend, from the slam dunk contest to the shootout to the game itself. How do you recapture that magic if you're NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, and how do you format All-Star Weekend to drive public interest once again? No, it's a great question, it's, and it's a problem for the NBA because, like you said, you know, it doesn't have the same interest that it used to. It used to be a huge spectacle. It's still a big deal, but not like it was. I think the biggest thing by far is – to try to do whatever you can to incentivize the stars to compete in these events. You know, 
when you're watching a dunk contest, first of all, you don't want to see a guy attempt to dunk like nine times and miss it uh, before he hits it. But the other thing is you want to see stars do it. You know, back in the day, you saw Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins battling it out. You saw Vince Carter. You saw Dwight Howard. I mean, these, these were stars going at it. Even Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were, were fairly well known. Kobe, Doc, Kobe, Dr. J, too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. So now you got guys like, you know, Jalen Green. You got, you got role players now, you know, Cole Anthony. Nobody knows these guys, especially like you said, Parker, if you're kind of more of a casual fan, you're watching it for stars. It's all star weekend. Nobody wants to see just good dunkers who aren't stars. And the same, I would say, goes for the three-point contest. They do a better job of getting stars in the three-point contest. But even then, you know, you can replace the Luke Kennards of the world with more Steph Currys and things like that. Make sure the stars are uh, competing in all these events, I think, is the biggest thing. Yeah, and in uh, Julia serving, I think Dr. J, we were talking about an ABA All-Star game, but you've got to have star power, more of it, no doubt, uh, particularly in the slam dunk. And it's almost as if if we're not going to have the stars in the slam dunk, and maybe you need to find another event because it's uh, it feels like just about everything's been done. Okay, uh, Brandon, right before we let you go, one last quick thought. Uh, Chris Paul still searching for a ring. The Suns have the best record in the NBA. They'll be in Oklahoma City at Paycom Center to take on uh, the Thunder Thursday night, and now the Suns find out Chris Paul has a thumb injury that's going to keep him out six to eight weeks. Now, again, that means he could be back again, would be back uh, for the early round of the playoffs. But, man, it almost feels like CP3, what does he have to do to get that ring, you know? Yeah, it feels so bad for him. I think that, you know, every Thunder fan, you know, kind of changed their opinion of Chris Paul the year that he was here. Uh, you know, he showed such class and high character on and off the court. And I think everybody's kind of rooting for him. Uh, it's such a huge bummer. The good thing, though, Mike, is they built such a huge cushion. They've been so much better than every team this season that even without Chris Paul, as long as they can kind of tread water uh, this last stretch of games, they should still be the number one seed. That's how good they've been. And if Chris Paul does come back healthy for the playoffs, they should be fine. Let's just hope that that injury doesn't linger into the playoffs or that he's not 100% when he comes back. No doubt. Brandon, we appreciate you coming on with us. Good stuff as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. You guys take it easy. Brandon Rubar, DailyThunder.com, Oklahoma City and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the stretch run begins for Oklahoma City. Again, fourth worst record in the league. Keep losing and uh, competitively losing. Competitive tanking, that's what it's all about for Oklahoma City the rest of the way. 7 o'clock Thursday, OKC and the Phoenix Suns. No CP3 again out with that injury, thumb injury, six to eight weeks. Break time right here. We will hear from the Queen, Patty Gasso, when we get back right here on The Ref. Uh, There's only one Queen of Norman, and uh, that would be Patty Gasso. No doubt about it. She might end up, she might already be the greatest coach in the history of University of Oklahoma Athletics. I mean, uh, she's going to stack a few more national championships on that resume. It could be this year. They're the favorite to win it, and the Oklahoma softball team gets ready to go to the Mary Nutter Classic. Uh, They are leaving early. They start playing on Friday. They have an early game with Cal State Fullerton. Well, a 2.30 game Friday afternoon. They play Long Beach State after that on Friday. On Saturday, some interesting competition, Arizona and Tennessee on Saturday, and then a Sunday game with Utah. Uh, When... Will Jocelyn Allo get the record-breaking home run? She tied Lauren Chamberlain's all-time NCAA record at 95 with that 
shot in Houston on Sunday morning, and I would say there's a really good chance that happens on Friday. Patty Gasso on with uh, Chris Plank of the Plank Show this morning. Uh, it knows it didn't take too long for Jocelyn to get to the record. I was a little bit concerned about her just putting really unnecessary pressure on herself. And the first weekend I felt that, and I'm like, oh, man, here we go. We're going to... You know, it's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I just keep telling her, like, just it's happening, so just chill. I didn't expect her to go off the way she did in Houston, and it was um, quite a sight to see. So we weren't quite ready, and I'm telling our group, like, hey, get get the pro, the GoPro ready in the dugout. Let's this could be happening. And, uh, you know, we just weren't expecting it to happen like that. I mean, she went boom, boom, boom. I just am so happy for her. I love that. When you've got a team that really doesn't have a weakness, and you talk about what they have, three great pitchers, tremendous defense, particularly up the middle, and uh, you've got a great hitting team with the biggest uh, long ball threat in the history of women's college softball. You've got everything. So Patty's thinking she actually can be relaxed enough to think, hey, Go get the GoPro, all right? This could happen at any moment. And uh, the video they captured in Houston was great. That was spectacular. And uh, preserved for history. Well done. And, uh, man, there just aren't enough accolades to go around uh, to talk about what Patty Gasso has done. She is the Nick Saban now of college softball pretty much, right? If she's not, I don't know who is. No, 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 no. Yeah. You know what's crazy to think is that Patty Gasso has been the head softball coach at Oklahoma for longer than I have been alive, Mike. That is crazy, man. Is that is crazy. Of course, you're 12, right? But you're uh, you're, you're like, you're like that, the yeah. Doogie Hauser of uh, sportscasters. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've made that uh, that analogy, that comparison. No, you before. just turned what 23? Was that what it was? Yeah, 23. 23. Man, I remember 23. That was a long time ago. A long time ago. All right. You can also uh, hit us up, as always, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, get on out there. You have until midnight tonight to get the extra entries. Remember, on Monday and Tuesday, uh, they offer up five times the entries Get one entry for every five points in your wild card, up to five times the entries for the big drawings on Friday night. This will be the final drawing for the $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. And uh, Friday night, you could go out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. The drawing starts at 6, runs to 11.30. Three patrons' names called out every half hour. That's 33 in total. And then they have a couple grand prize winners again. They'll call out just before midnight at Riverwind. It's a great night to go uh, Win a jackpot and then wait and hear your name called. Win some more money. You can also have a great meal at Chips and Ales, Pub Restaurant, or at the River Buffet at Steak Night on Friday night. All you can eat there for $29.99, and they've got a tremendous uh, food court, the season's food court there as well. So many great dining options and so many winning options for you at Riverwind. That's why they are simply the best. All right, you want to go to the text line? Yeah, let's. Uh, we can carry this question over into the next hour because I'd be curious to hear other folks' thoughts on it. But one listener says, in reference to OU basketball, I would rather they play two to three games in the NIT than go one and out in March Madness. Hmm. I, right. d- I don't know that I followed th- that train of thought. 
Because to me, that's like saying, oh, I'd rather go to the Alamo Bowl and win it than losing the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it depends on where your program is. Like when Billy Tubbs was here and they went to the NIT in his second year and they lost to, uh, what was it? It was Bradley, I believe. Uh, in the championship in Madison Square Garden, they had a great run and, uh, you know, fan support for the NIT. The NIT was a bigger deal back then. It, it all depends on where your program is at this point in time. I still think the NCAA tournament is the better option, but it's an interesting question to throw out there. It's, a, it's an interesting question for sure. So we shall see. Uh, but the Sooners again tonight in Lubbock. Playing Texas Tech, uh, the Red Raiders, number nine in the country, and I'm sure they very well remember uh, Mo Gibson dropping 30 on them in the last game, and the Sooners won by 15 back on February 9th. And again, that, that was Oklahoma's best game of the year. Mo Gibson caught fire, and the Sooners win that game. Uh, Kevin O'Banner, by the way, for you Tulsa listeners, former ORU player, having a good, solid season for Tech. Ten points, five rebounds, shooting 34% from three. And uh, there's a good chance that Mark Adams is, uh, you know, not just the Big 12 Coach of the Year, but certainly could very well be the uh, National Coach of the Year as well. So we'll see if the Sooners can make a game of it and uh, maybe pull a miracle tonight in Lubbock because they're going to need an unbelievable performance. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We've got another hour to go here on this Tuesday Thank you all for being here. Let's continue on with another hour after the uh, top of the hour update and more. Stay with us. And hour number two is presented to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. It's it's exit 72 on uh, your way headed south. Or if you're coming the other direction, if you're headed north, uh, it's still exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck from the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. That great guarantee always, uh, always is uh, something that you want to hear. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you from the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. All right, uh, so the Sooners tonight at uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock. And uh, how much, uh, look, Tech's just the better team. They're the number nine team in the country. They've got a legitimate chance to possibly go on a run and win a national championship, certainly at least get to the Final Four. And uh, Mark Adams has coached them up. Man, it doesn't seem like they have skipped a beat Parker with uh, Chris Beard headed to Texas. They swept the uh, regular season uh, series with the Longhorns. They just won in Austin over the weekend. Uh, So Oklahoma has their work cut out tonight. But how about the job that that Mark Adams has done, man? At Tech, (laughs) they've been a machine. Is Tech better without Chris Beard than they were with him? I, I don't know. It's You know, you you have to consider the long term. Uh, you can answer that maybe after three or four years. But he has done an unbelievable job. I, he's going to be the Big 12 Coach of the Year. He might very well be the National Coach of the Year as well. How much do you think, first of all, again, like I said, this is going to be an uphill battle for Oklahoma anyway, had they not even won uh, the first game, February 9th. But the fact, the way the Sooners won that game, February 9th, how much more difficult does that make this matchup tonight? Because I think they'll be paying a little bit more attention to Mo Gibson tonight after he dropped 30 on them with 8 of 11 from three-point I range. would think so. And also with Elijah Harkless out with the injury, yeah, Mo Gibson will be the focus for Texas Tech defensively. And I think you also got to look at the fact that Oklahoma really historically has not won games when Mo Gibson has been held in check. And so 
That's going to be Texas Tech's primary objective tonight is curtailing Mo Gibson's impact on the game, particularly from beyond the arc. And if you can do that and you can make Tanner Groves be the guy, then I think that's a recipe for winning basketball because Tanner Groves has not proven that he is capable of being the guy on a consistent basis. He's shown flashes, sure, but in reality, nobody on this Oklahoma team has been all that consistent this year. And I, their X factor on offense naturally is Mo Gibson just because of his ability to shoot the ball from beyond the arc. If you take him out of the game, then Oklahoma is really going to struggle to find their groove offensively. And so that's that, I think, is going to be what's most important for Texas Tech on their home floor tonight. Seven o'clock tonight on ESPN Plus. Uh, do you have an issue with games on ESPN Plus? Does that bother you? Uh, yes, it bothers me. I'm not about to buy a subscription. Yeah, but you get Disney Plus too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I don't care. And Still I, not buying a subscription. Man, are you one of those guys just out of college or still eating ramen noodles and Vienna sausages? Is that what you have in your fridge? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Okay, good. Well, I'm I just am saying, not a, uh... I've, I've been there, done that back in the day. Now, the Vienna sausages are absolutely disgusting, and the liquid that they uh, they float around in is 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 evil. But I, I remember a guy when I worked at K10 and Ada when I was first doing TV back in the day. And this dude had like 25 cans of Vienna sausages. And I'm like, dude, that is the most disgusting thing ever. At least go ramen noodles and just go get yourself some bologna and some bread. If you're going to, it's a survival skill when you're starting out in small market television. Yeah, well, no, I tell you what, uh, my diet. My sophomore and junior years of college, that was when I, I, well, no, I guess my junior year, that's probably when I had it the roughest because I had, I lived on campus each of my first two years. So I was on the meal plan Mm -hmm. and I ate pretty good. I've always been one to try and eat healthy in as much as is possible. That just wasn't possible my junior year because like pizza shuttle, I had so much on my, I was, I was a pizza shop guy more so than a pizza shuttle guy, although I did have both, but Man, I ate more fast food and just, like, quick meals my junior year of college than I have probably any other year in my life. When you're, By a when long you're, shot. When you're on the go a lot, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you yes. have to do it. Now, these days, I've gotten a lot better about making time to cook for myself. And so, uh, generally, I will – I'll set aside time to cook myself dinner. And if I, if I do have to be on the run – uh, hurrying off somewhere, I usually have leftovers that I can grab. Yeah, you you need to try some rice aroni. It's the San Francisco treat. Rice aroni. Yeah, miss me with that. All right, it's it's very uh, it's very ricey. Air Comfort Solutions text line wants to know, Steely, did you work with Gary DeBello at K10? Uh, I don't remember that name. Uh, I don't think so. I I hope I'm. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping Gary DeBello's not there going, you son of a, you, we worked together, you know, but uh, I don't remember that name. I don't think that I did. I was there, and let's see, the uh, the anchors were Jack Shipe and Lisa Jones. Jimmy Spencer was doing the weather. And uh, Bob Slovak, who's still a good friend of mine, who uh, was most recently at ABC in Houston, was the uh, weekend sportscaster there, uh, was the sports director. And then he left, and then I became the sports director there. And uh, but I don't remember that name. Don't remember that name. Kendall right. says ESPN Plus is the work of the devil. It bothers me, and I'm forty now. It's he's a man. It's he's look, forty. 
you know, uh, your TV habits are your TV habits. And the one thing that you can do is you can watch, like, I'll watch on my phone tonight because I've got a big enough phone that I can, uh, so we can watch, like, a Netflix series or whatever, and I can pay attention to the game, too. So, at least you can do that. But I know a lot of people are bothered by it. All right, uh, what happens if the uh, Sooners win in Lubbock tonight? What will the post-game handshake be like? You never know what could happen. Jawan Howard suspended for the rest of the year. You saw the ugliness after uh, Wisconsin's win over Michigan on Sunday. Uh, Tom Izzo, the Michigan State coach, was asked about uh, you know, some of the reactions out there that, well, maybe we just need to do away with the postgame handshake, man. These kids and, man, well, the coaches in this situation, they just can't control themselves. Here's what Tom Izzo had to say about that. That, to me, would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when, when – you know, you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids, if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on somebody who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous. Yes. Get him, Izzo. You get go, him. Go, Tom, go. Go, Tom, go. Tom Izzo, man, he's an old-school coach. You Sooner fans remember the uh, collision in the Sweet 16 with uh, Eduardo Nahara and Mateen Cleaves on that uh, national championship team, uh, the Flintstones that eventually won the NCAA uh, championship. And uh, th- their physical team, he's still an old-school coach. Now, Porter Moser was asked about those comments and uh, his thoughts on the post-game handshake. It was Garen Emig, I believe, who asked him about it during the Zoom yesterday. And here's what Porter had to say about the situation. Yeah, I, I, I'm not one of the ones that is going to knee-jerk reaction and say we can throw away the handshake line. I loved what one of the players tweeted out today because I never went able to told this other, other player how hard he played and how tough he was uh, if it wasn't for the handshake line. Um, you know, I've been coaching for 30 years, you know, and a lot of, a lot of these coaches has, um, it's not easy to go shake somebody's hand when, when you just got, when you just lost a game. I mean, you feel gut wrenched, um, especially on close games, especially on games that have so much meaning in February. It's not easy, but what are you always telling your guys, you know, how you, how, you know, you're, you know, we got to handle adversity. You got to react, you know, when things don't go your way. So I don't, I don't like the message that the way to respond is avoidant. There you go. I mean, if we can't shake hands after sporting events, I mean, what kind of world are we living in, right? I mean, look, you may not uh, just have a little class, and I understand – Juwan Howard, the people that were calling for Juwan Howard to be fired, I think that was way over the line. And, uh, you know, the Wisconsin assistant coach did stop him and put his hands on him first. Not to excuse the the overhand slap that Juwan Howard connected with. Uh, and I think the suspension is probably about what it should be for Juwan Howard. But um, I don't know, Parker. I like, I like what Tom Izzo says, man. Uh, really? So we have a couple incidents and we're going to eliminate it, that's not the solution, right? 
Tom Izzo, man, he's coached him up. Remember, uh, Tom Izzo has been criticized a few times over the last five or six years for coaching too hard. You know, being too tough on his players and some of these, uh, you know, when he's, uh, you know, grabbed a player and uh, tried to tell him something in a very aggressive way. Man, that's a lot of coaches used to be that way. So yeah, but but find me an ex-player that has a harsh word to say about Tom Izzo. Not that's many. Not many. E- everybody on the outside, everybody who watches the clips of Tom Izzo grabbing his player by the shoulders or whatever, they're like, well, he's we can't have anybody coaching like that in the 21st century. But you ask you ask anybody that played under Tom Izzo. I guarantee you they're going to have nothing but good things to say about a coach like that. By the way, uh, Air Cover Solutions text line, one of our listeners says, Parker, you just said you remember back in the day. You just turned 23. Please get real. Your credibility is at risk. Did I say I remember back in the day? I, was I, I, I think I was talking about back in the day my junior year of college, oh, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah, you were. You were talking about your diet. Back if in the day. back in the day refers to a specific era, what era <laughs> is that? I love how you've got different versions of the redneck voice now, too. Uh-huh. It's pretty good. Okay, uh, by the way, Mikey. Who is this? Okay, all right. All right. Okay, now I know. Uh, Steely, who was the Michigan State guard who ran into Nahara? I, I just mentioned that. You must have missed it, Mikey. It was Mateen Cleves. Mateen Cleaves. Part of the Flintstones team. That team had uh, Jason Richardson and Mateen Cleaves, obviously. Uh, Mo Pete, Maurice, Maurice Peterson. Morris Peterson was the left-handed sharpshooter. They had uh, Charlie Bell was the other guard. And I believe the center was uh, – no, Greg Kelser. Was the, that was the Magic 79 team. Uh, Andre Hudson. There's your starting five right there. Michigan State, 2000. Now, ask me about last year, and I'll have no clue. But if you go back 20-plus years, I'll probably be able to get it. Very impressive. So, that was a heck of a team. And uh, Izzo's teams have always been tough, no doubt. All right, we'll break right here. We have uh, T.J. Eckert coming up. T.J. Eckert, KTUL-TV Sports Director, 135. We'll get his thoughts on a number of subjects. Let's talk a little more Sooner football when we get back. Thanks again. To the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for bringing you uh, our number two here on Steelman and Thune on a Tuesday here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Network, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. T.J. Eckerts coming up here in about 15 minutes on the law offices of Rod Polston, uh, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. We're always looking for your texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. All right, so Parker, uh, I was asked by a friend to ask you today, which offers for the Sooners out there have you most fired up? If you had to go with three or four offers that the Sooners currently have out there for you know any class, I guess, uh, which ones would you look at well i i feel like the two i always start with and i feel this question a lot the two i always start with are a couple of five stars in the class of 2023 that i legitimately think have the potential to be generational talents david hicks the defensive lineman out of allen high school in texas and then jalen hale the five-star wideout out of longview texas those two dudes and ou's sitting in a pretty good spot with both of them Man, if they can lock down those dudes, those are going to be special football players. So the line firm of Hicks and Hale, uh, you'll go there. <laughs> all right, what else? I'm trying to think. 
See, I always when I when I throw a bone to myself with a couple of five stars, I always try to think about a guy that's under the radar, uh, maybe a guy that uh, could explode onto the scene late in the process, but isn't super highly regarded right now. One of those one of those such guys is Darion Gallette, who is a hybrid safety linebacker out of Marlin, Texas, a three star prospect in the class of twenty twenty three, and he will be on campus March fifth among a bunch of others at Oklahoma's Junior Day. And then, man, I I feel like I've been throwing the name Dylan Edwards out there a lot lately, and part of the reason is because Oklahoma's in a really, really good spot for Dylan Edwards, and I would say is probably the odds-on favorite to get his commitment. I have a crystal ball in for Dylan Edwards to Oklahoma. Man, turn on that dude's film if you haven't already and treat yourself. Because that is a special, special football player. And Dylan Edwards is going to be a dynamic weapon in Jeff Levy's offense at Oklahoma. What about uh, the David Stone kid, Dell City to IMG, right? Yes. Uh, how are you feeling about that one? A, a lot of people feel like uh, that could very well be Oklahoma. You feel Yeah, I just put still? in a crystal ball last night, so yes. Yeah, you did. There yep. you go. So how quickly could that happen? It could happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would a little say, pun there too. I would say I, I will be surprised if the summer rolls around and David Stone isn't committed to Oklahoma yet. Okay, uh, so would that help Oklahoma with their IMG connection? Because they got Buki out of IMG, right? They did. And anybody else from IMG, the Sooners have uh, – TJ Pledger. That's TJ, the that's only right, other that's one. That's right. We talked about that. So, and, Or would people look at that and say, well, he's an Oklahoma kid who went to IMG. Or, uh, the Sooners, you know, if you can get players out of IMG, then you're doing, uh, you're doing a very good job because they're all highly recruited. Yes. There's a reason they're there. So, uh, what about the uh, the next big running back uh, commit, possibly? And uh, they've got a big offer out there, correct? Oh, you uh, running back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the one everybody's excited about, and we're feeling a lot of questions on him uh, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line is Richard Young, the five star running back out of the state of Florida. He will be on campus March fifth. Touched on this yesterday with Tyler. Don't get your hopes up yet. Now. If Richard Young really enjoys his Oklahoma visit on March 5th and he decides to come back around come summertime, then at that point in time I would say, okay, maybe Oklahoma has a puncher's chance here. Right now I don't get that sense. I think at running back in the class of 2023, I'm looking more at Trey Wisner, the four-star back out of Waco, Texas, as a guy that Oklahoma is very much in the lead for. And then if you want to throw Dylan Edwards in that mix, I guess you can, but he's not a pure running back, uh, very much more of a slash weapon type of guy, a Tavon Austin-esque player. So at this point, I don't know who the other running back will end up being for Oklahoma in the class of 2023. I think it's safe to assume that Trey Wisner could be in the mix just based on everything he's said on social media, what his mom has said about DeMarco Murray, and how many times he has been on campus. I'd be surprised if Tw- Trey Wisner isn't a Sooner. Again, though, Oklahoma's going to be in a position where they, it'll probably behoove them to take two running backs. And if you were recruiting Dylan Edwards as a Tavon Austin-esque type of player who isn't going to be a true running back in your offense, then it begs the question, who's the other guy? And that's why Oklahoma's hosting Richard Young on March 5th. Again, not super confident in their chances there. But 
I would expect that before long, we'll start to get a sense of who else Oklahoma is targeting seriously at the running back position in the class of 2023. All right, Ronnie for OU asking me, uh, who do you guys have on your list as your favorite Sooners to interview? You want to start? Favorite Sooners to interview. I feel like we got asked this not long ago. It's really hard not to put Caleb Kelly at the top of that list. Just because that dude was a consummate pro in front of a microphone. And there's right? a reason he's a big part of the soul mission, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, he, number one, the stuff he's done in the community, just a good dude and very articulate. And you want a kid like that representing uh, your university. So, yes. And uh, so you go um, Caleb Kelly. DJ Graham is another guy that I would put high on the list. DJ Graham has always been a really fun interview. Anybody from Hoops? I know that mainly you've been dealing with a lot of COVID Zoom stuff with with basketball, too. So that makes it maybe a little more I'm trying to think of the last few years who stands out as far as basketball. Brady Manick, I guess. He was always the guy that got – uh, thrown to the wolves. <laughs> it was kind of like regardless of how well or how poorly he played, he was always the one talking to the media after the game. So got to hear a lot of Brady Manic, and he's a very well-read individual. So if I had to pick a hoops guy, it'd probably be Brady Manic. I would uh, – see, i got to go way back on this, Ronnie, uh, because I haven't done, like, uh, press conferences, post-game uh, media interviews since, man, going back to, like, 2003. I just haven't done it once I've made the real transition to morning radio. I, I just haven't done as much. But I can tell you, going all the way back, and I go way back, I would go with uh, my all-time favorites, Wayman Tisdale. Uh, he was great, man. Wayman was the best. And uh, I'm talking players here. Uh, Bosworth, because you were always going to get something good from Bosworth unless it was Nebraska week and then it was kind of a different Bos. But uh, Spencer Tillman, I always thought was really good. Spencer was uh, Mr. Thesaurus even back in his days at OU. And, uh, in fact, we co-hosted a show here when uh, Al Eshbach went on vacation. Uh, when Spencer was still at OU. So uh, he was always a great guy. And, uh, you know, a, a guy that I think was really underrated uh, in terms of the way he handled uh, the press was Nate Hibble when he was quarterback at OU. I always thought Nate was – he would stick around forever, man, and do every interview, and he was articulate and honest and always gave uh, some good stuff. So th- those would be Wayman Tisdale – uh, Boz, Spencer Tillman, Nate Hibble for me. Nate Hibble goes under the radar. Ryan Hibble, by the way, heck of a golf coach. Heck of a golf coach. Uh, you know, you read the story in the L.A. Times where Ryan, I guess, was pretty close with uh, Muleshoe. We'll forgive Ryan because Ryan's a great guy. But in uh, a heck of a coach, he's won a national championship. He's done wondrous things for the OU golf program. And, but I guess Muleshoe used to sneak over there and uh, hit balls and everything to get away from everybody. Hmm. Interesting. I never realized that. So, a couple other suggestions via the text line. Nick Harris uh, and Isaiah Thomas. as well. Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas was a great interview. No question about that. That dude knew how to give a soundbite. Anybody else? Uh, what about coaches, if you apply that to coaches, like football coaches at OU? Uh, I mean, you've covered just Muleshoe and now Brent, but um, 
you've dealt with Bob Stoops, I'm sure, obviously, because yes. he, he's been, uh, you know, doing wondrous stuff for the program, you know, saving the Titanic from hitting the iceberg here recently. Always really like talking to Bill Biedenboe mm-hmm. and Jamar Kane as well when he was here. Those were two guys that probably didn't get enough time in front of the press as they should have because they knew their stuff. Uh, Coach Schwitzer was always great. Um, Schnellenberger was great for comic relief. Uh, Bob was Bob was good. Bob was a little bit guarded, you know, when he was at the podium. Um, and, you know, there's a difference between representing the university and representing the program and representing yourself. I think we've seen that Bob has a lot more personality than a lot of people thought uh, based on what he's done uh, with his um, really, I think, really good job that he did with Fox this year as an analyst. And, uh, you know, and we all kind of thought that anyway. If you'd ever had a chance to talk to Bob away from, you know, the press conference situation, you could tell that he had that ability. And not like his press conference was all, you know, just meat and potatoes all the time. Uh, John Blake was a super good, gregarious guy. You know, I don't think he was more of a position coach recruiter, but I really liked John Blake. Um and I always enjoyed talking to Billy Tubbs. Billy was one of a kind, man. What a great – I just – man, I just wish Billy had gotten his national championship because I still believe that 88 team was the best in the country. And, and Billy, you could be fiery, man. You catch him at the wrong moment, like after uh, after they lost the game uh, against uh, Nolan Richardson Tulsa team, Billy was spitting fire, and occasionally he'd be spitting fire. But he always had a good quip here and there. So good. So – that would be it for me coaches-wise, Ronnie. Thank you for the question. All right. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72. Great deal in a car or truck. Ladies and gentlemen, the Stones are going to take you to break. We're coming back with T.J. Eckert here on the ref. All right. Welcome back. We, uh, we talked last week that, yes, one uh, James Marshall Hendricks played the OU Fieldhouse back in 1970. In fact, he played two shows. He played a show at 7 p.m. and one at 10 p.m. Now, when I get my time machine, I'm going back to see those both shows once I can afford my time machine. Elon Musk is going to create one soon, right? Probably. Maybe. That's where I, that would be one of my first destinations back to see uh, Hendrix play the OU Fieldhouse. All right, TJ Acker joins us. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, this man is a, uh, he's a world class sports director in uh, Tulsa at uh, KTUL. And TJ always comes on with us, which we greatly appreciate. What, is, uh, what are the people in green country talking about right now? What is the number one thing they are thinking about sports-wise right now at this very moment? Man, you know, there's just so much going on up here, so much to, to discuss. Uh, we got ORU baseball starting today at their, with their home opener, so that's a big deal. Uh, kind of going to be chilly out there for those guys. But uh, other than that, man, just getting ready for some high school basketball playoffs, which obviously just got pushed back by the OSSAA due to the weather coming in. So lots of stuff going on. You guys, you got the, uh, you got Southern Hills and the PGA is right around the corner, man. That's, that's not too far away. Man, fired up for that too. I was just talking with uh, Brian Carnes. He's the tournament director from the PGA of America. I was just talking with him uh, a couple weeks ago and they got things on the, on the right track. I think it, it helped them greatly having the senior here last year in terms of having infrastructure in place 
having staff still in place, basically. Basically what they did was they went from Tulsa uh, to the Ryder Cup and then from the Ryder Cup right back down here to Tulsa. So they didn't have to do a whole lot of, of moving things around. Um, so everything appears to be in a good spot. This is one of, if not the most anticipated sporting event to come to Tulsa in quite some time, maybe ever, and that's without Tiger Woods. And we, we still don't know if he's playing or not. And if he is playing, then this thing is going to just absolutely take off. TJ, hard times recently for the two Power 5 basketball programs in the state of Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, of course, losing that tough, hard-fought game in Gallagher-Iber Arena last night in overtime to Baylor. And Oklahoma, as we know, spiraling out of control, really need some wins down here or uh, down the stretch here if they're going to reassert themselves as a tournament team. So as you look at these two teams, obviously Oklahoma State, uh, we have long known, is not going to play in the tournament. But uh, – with Mike Boynton and the situation that he's in in Stillwater and Porter Moser, the situation that he's in at Oklahoma, what are the long-term prognostications in your eyes for these two programs? You're talking about the rest of the season or going forward? Uh, both. Yeah. So going for, I mean, just for the season, I kind of view tonight, I hate to say must-win games when the season's still going on, but feels pretty important. They need a resume booster, OU does tonight. Obviously, already beat Tech once. If you can go on the road and win a game against a top ten opponent, that that will go a long way. Because from there, if you if you lose tonight, winning your last three games isn't easy by any stretch. That's it's against three of the bottom bottom teams in the league. But winning those three games still might not be enough to give you a tournament resume. So, as far as this season goes, tonight tonight is really do or die in my opinion in terms of a, a tournament look. Now, long-term for OU, things I still think look fine. You know, you, you this year you pretty much ragtagged your team together, brought in a bunch of guys from different schools, tried to throw them together on the court, the first-year head coach, see if you can make it work. And there were some positive signs, for sure. Give Porter Moser a recruiting class or two, give him these guys for a couple of years, and, and see what happens from there. I was encouraged uh, by, what I, by what I've seen for the most part. They just lacked that one guy for a go-to score. They didn't really have a guard until late in the season when Goldwire started to play well. Haven't had a guard that really took over games uh, for them. So give him a couple years, Porter Moser, and we'll see what happens. As for OSU, it's hard. I, 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 it's hard not to be in that position. I'm on the outside, but I would imagine being in the locker room, it'd be tough to go out there and play every night knowing that there's no end-of-season goal, right? I mean, you're not playing for the tournament. You're not even playing for the Big 12 tournament. So, They've played. They've played fairly well, all, all things considered. When you when you look at the fact that they didn't have a tournament to play for, so interesting to see what will happen after this season. Thought Bryce Thompson moved along pretty well uh, there for the Cowboys throughout the season, so they got him coming back. We'll see. We'll see what all comes back next year from Mike Boyden. And, and it's interesting, you know, he gets a lot of credit, and people point to his record though, and how it hasn't been that impressive yet. So. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he comes back out next season whenever, hopefully, they're able to, to play in the tournament. T.J. Eckert, our guest, KTUL TV Sports Director in Tulsa. I want to ask you because uh, the Sooners playing in Lubbock tonight against Tech and uh, Kevin O'Banner, former ORU star, 10 points, mm-hmm. 5 rebounds, uh, been a good player. It's done a, a nice job for Texas Tech, shooting almost 34% from three. Max Aismas, of course, came back and uh, returned to ORU. And I think the last time I checked, he was fifth in the country in scoring, averaging close to, I think it was right mm-hmm. around 23 a game. How has it gone for Max Aismas? Again, he doesn't have his running mate there after the incredible run they made in the tournament last year. How has the season gone for Max, and, and what are we thinking about for his uh, professional status now after coming back to ORU? 
Yeah, Max has been impressive. He's kind of had he has he was the guy last year. Obviously, Kevin O'Banner was a, a nice Robin to his Batman. Obviously, I think that without that, he's kind of had to take on even more. I mean, there's, he's got a few guys that have stepped up. Crane Thompson's played well. He's got Carlos Jurgens, who's been playing decent as well. The Shang Weaver, a bunch of role player guys who've had to kind of fill in. They didn't replace Kevin O'Banner as much so with they tried to just piece things together to try and replace his uh, production. So. Max has has done a pretty good job being the focal point of the offense, knowing he's going to face double teams and and tough defenses every night. And he's still gone out, like you mentioned, and gotten his 23. There was a game, gosh, it had been a couple weeks ago, he went scoreless in the first half and scored 30 in the second. So it's just, you know, he has the ability to take games over like that. He can get hot from behind the arc. He's really good at driving, which for his size is pretty impressive. And so I, I I think he was pretty close to going to the league last year. I think if he would have gotten a first-round grade, he was gone. I think he ended up getting an early second-round grade. And, of course, as we know, the second round, anything can happen in there in the NBA draft. And so I think he's done well enough to keep his draft stock, maybe slightly improve it. Um, And he's got a big game on Thursday. That's going to be the biggest game for their season so far. Oh, are you playing South Dakota State at the Maybe Center in Tulsa? South Dakota State hasn't lost in the Summit League yet. So that'll be a big one for them. Uh, if they're going to continue to rise up the summer league standings and hopefully repeat and go back to the NCAA tournament. Now, TJ, as we draw closer and closer to seven on seven season and spring football, who are some of the Tulsa area football prospects that you're most excited to see as the spring dawns? Yeah, you know, I, I know he just flipped and, and decommitted and is now at Arkansas, but Luke has seen how his how his progression continues to 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 go. It will be interesting. He hasn't. He wasn't really the focal point at Bixby this past year. You had, Bre- you had Braylon Presley, who's now going to Oklahoma State. And so I think him being more as the guy there at Bixby, that'll be, that'll be interesting for me to see. That, that's a guy who has been recruited so much on raw talent, right? Hasn't really been much of a football guy until the last couple of years. And so for him to get another year at Bixby in that offense, which has been so dynamic, uh, that's going to be fun to see. Also looking forward to seeing some quarterbacks uh, around the green country. There's there's a f- bunch of guys up here who are just really solid players who haven't gotten a lot of looks, I would say, in, uh, in terms of recruiting. Obviously, Steel Wazel is a guy that's gotten a lot of buzz in the Oklahoma City area, but there's a bunch of Bixby, Bixby, bunch of green country kids up here that really, I think, have a chance to do something special at the next level. And so maybe this, this year is the year for a handful of guys from, I mean, Kirk Francis is a guy at Metro Christian who, doesn't have any offers yet, but is a guy who could explode at any minute. There's plenty of other guys like that around Tulsa that just haven't really gotten that first offer and popped off yet. So those are some of the guys I'm kind of paying attention to. All right, TJ, real quick before we let you go, you're a big uh, golfer and golf fan, so we, I always ask you uh, about it. But uh, after what DJ and DeShambo said this weekend, does it, does it feel like the uh, Saudi Super League is not going to make the cut? What do you think? It's amazing how – Phil's reputation appears to be in the balance, right? I yeah, mean, a guy yeah. that seemingly everybody loves, loves his personality and, and, and how you know much fun he's been on Twitter, to all of a sudden he's almost the enemy again. It's like the Tiger-Phil rivalry. He's almost back in that enemy role again. Uh, obviously, he's kind of been the big proponent for the Saudi League, and his comments over the weekend were really blown up by some of the players. Rory McIlroy came out and really stood up to what Phil was saying. So, it's interesting. You know, all these rumors keep floating about the Saudi League, where the money's coming from, the players that are reportedly going to join. 
And then we really still haven't gotten anything substantial from the Saudi league, right? It's just been a bunch of rumors being floated out. And then, like you mentioned, DJ, Bryson, all saying that they're going to probably stick to the PGA Tour, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, those guys pledging their allegiance to the Tour. So it's really it's, it's crazy to see the golf world kind of unite around the PGA Tour right now when you got Phil, who outside of Tiger is your biggest name, kind of proponent, being a proponent for this new league. So I don't know what's going to happen. It sure seems like it's crumbling, but you know, Phil and, Bry- and Bryson, Phil and the Saudi League seem to have a, a decent relationship. So I guess he could pull some people that maybe we aren't thinking about European tour guys. I'm not sure, but sure seems like the PGA Tour is winning right now. No doubt, uh, a couple big victories uh, again over the weekend for the PGA Tour again with DJ and DeChambeau's statements that they made. Uh, TJ, we always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. We'll do it again soon. Yep, appreciate you, Parker. T.J. Eckert, ladies and gentlemen, KTUL-TV in Tulsa. When we get back, Aaron Rodgers talks about the meaning behind his super sappy Instagram post. We'll get to that when we get back here on this Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon, way afternoon. We're going to get locked in at 2 o'clock with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas. We have one more segment to go, so keep it here on The Ref. Okay, welcome back. Locked in coming up at the top of the hour with Parker and Tyler McComas here on The Ref. You have until midnight tonight to get out to Riverwind Casino and uh, play with your wild card and get five times the entries for the next big drawing in the $80,000 River of Romance promotion. Uh, Coming up on Friday night, they'll draw three patrons' names every half hour from 6 to 11.30 p.m. Your chance to collect your share of the $80,000 in cash and bonus play. So uh, they'll draw 33 names between 6 and 11.30. You'll have a great chance to win, particularly if you get out and play with your wild card and get five times the entries for the drawing, and you have until midnight tonight. They also have two grand prize winners they draw out just before midnight on Friday night. Riverwind, a great place to go have a great meal at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or the River Buffet. Great, uh, you know, situation on Friday night, especially with steak night. All you can eat steak for $29.99. Seafood night, all you can eat for $39.99. A great brunch on Sunday. They've got a tremendous food court over there as well. World-class hotel. They've got everything. The best games, best promotions, best concerts, best service. It's all right there for you at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Okay, so you saw, I'm sure, Aaron Rodgers' Instagram post this morning, Parker? I did not. Well, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people were talking about it because uh, he, in the uh, hashtag Monday Night Gratitude, he says, here's some Monday Night Gratitude for some of the incredibly special people in my life with some pictures from the last beautiful year. At Shailene Woodley, who is tremendous in uh, Big Little Lies, by the way. Thanks for letting me chase after you the first couple months after we met and finally letting me catch up to you and be a part of your life. Thanks for always having my back, for the incredible kindness you show me and everyone you meet, and for showing me what unconditional love looks like. I love you and am grateful for you. To the men I get to share the quarterback room with every day, Matt, Nathaniel, Luke, Jordan Love. Uh, You guys made every day so much fun, and I'm so thankful for the laughs and stress relief you brought to me every week of the year. And it went on and on and on. I don't know if uh, it was wine night for uh, for Aaron Rodgers last night or what. I mean, look, he, he's what he's saying is very kind. He got all up in the fields, and that's fine. 
Uh, and he did come on the Pat McAfee show today and said, uh, there was nothing cryptic in my message. It was all about gratitude. That's it. Because everybody, all the talking head show, uh, you know, types this morning were talking about what it meant. Is it a, a so long to Green Bay? Is it goodbye to uh, the NFL? What does it all mean? And Aaron Rodgers said uh, in the last 45 minutes or so on the Pat McAfee uh, show, that it was just gratitude. That's it. But we're always looking for something, right? Well, of course. Whatever Everybody. LeBron, you know, LeBron talked about Oklahoma City, so he's got to be coming to Oklahoma City, or he's got to be coming with Bronny, or he he wants Sam Presti as the general manager in L.A. You know, if there's no subplot, the media will make a subplot. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to continue to play football, and if so, where? I think he'll stay in Green Bay. Like at this point, I. Until until I'm wrong, I'm just going to have to assume he will continue to play football in Green Bay because it feels like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have done the same dance for like five straight off seasons, mm-hmm. right? Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Is he retiring? Will he be traded? Who's going to be the quarterback of the future? And then come opening day every single year, it's still Aaron Rodgers at the controls for the Green Bay Packers. So... Until he ends up landing somewhere else, I'm gonna. It's one of those things where I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. And I don't think he's done playing football. I think he's got plenty left in the tank. He's won consecutive MVP awards. You can make the argument that he's at the top of his game or close to it right now. So I don't see any reason for him to walk away. I don't see any reason for the Packers to walk away from him. Yeah, he's had a great career. He's headed to Canton. Uh, As soon as he's eligible, he'll be there. The only thing, again, is it seems like there should be one more Super Bowl ring, more than one Super Bowl ring for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. It just feels like he's he's of that quality. Well, he is, but he's also had no help from the Green Bay front office. Some of that is absolutely true, no doubt. I still think they, uh, you know, they should have won that game against your Buccaneers at Lambeau, but they didn't. They didn't, and guess what? They didn't get it done against the 49ers either. Special teams, you know, just like Muleshoe, you got to pay special attention to special teams. If you don't, it could come back to bite you. Uh, I wonder who his next uh, female is going to be. Who would he be going after? Who would Aaron Rodgers go after? He had Olivia Munn. Uh, Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick. What is that? Was a strange kind of. Was that not strange to you a little bit? And hey, any relationship that Aaron Rodgers has been involved with has been strange. Um, and then of course Shailene Woodley, Olivia Munn, better known as Lisa Munn during her time at OU, a Sooner. So Aaron Rodgers has uh, been with a Sooner. Of course, I'm not sure about Shailene Woodley's background or education level but she was really good in big little lies there's no doubt about that okay so we got to figure out another sooner to set aaron Rodgers up with so Mm. he can become a bmd at the university of oklahoma there you go there you go we'll try and figure that out tomorrow you and uh, tyler can figure it out uh during locked in coming up here in a little bit so everybody thank you and uh, thank you to the seth wadley auto group in paul's valley exit 72 For a great deal on a vehicle and a great guarantee from the Seth Wadley Auto Group, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. You will pay the price if you don't keep it here because Locked In is coming up next. Make sure you stay right here on The Ref. We'll see you.